Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. Thank you very much for tuning in to yet another installment. As always, I am your host. Joining me for the third part of our Star Wars series would be Mr. John Rowe. How's it going, John? It's great. It's going real well. I survived the ice storm of 100 years in Texas. Yeah, so I'm here. I'm alive. Uh, thank you for all the people who, you know, sent their prayers out this way. So anyways, thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. What, what the hell happened? How long were you out of power? What did you do? What were your snow days like? Because obviously Austin doesn't get that type of weather. So what was going on? I kind of, I guess we knew it was going to get cold, like real cold, uh, going into work the night before. And it's kind of like, it would be my Wednesday, but my manager was like, Hey, we might be off the next three days. You know, they don't, want people to drive in because it could be dangerous and hazardous. And so that night I decided I was going to go buy as much frozen uh, brisket. If anybody didn't hear before, I, I work for a company called Terry Black's. Uh, it's pretty good meat. And uh, so I just went and bought a brisket, a bunch of pork ribs. I, I, I bought about seven pounds of meat. <laughs> and then I went next door to the convenience store and uh, bought about three bottles of wine because they say we we're going to be off for three days. So I'm like, one, two, three. All right. And uh, so I like to think I prepped pretty well. Uh, snowstorm lasted seven days. And because I prepped well, I didn't worry about it too much. I am fortunate that I was probably without power for like 36 hours. The place I live has gas. Uh, that's one of those things that gas can really help you in a situation because you can always boil water. You can always get some sort of heat. I also feel fortunate that my mom wasn't alone. She was with my sister. My sister went over to the house and there's gas there. She, they were able to have a little fireplace, you know, so all that kind of like early technology, I really uh, appreciated it at times when it was a bit tough, you know, you're without power, your phone might go out, you might not be able to have the ability to communicate. So um, it was good to have food and stuff, but I feel like a lot of the I guess from what I got from social media was a lot of the people who'd been in Texas for a long time, know how to kind of like weather it out for two or three days. And so I feel like a lot of the uh, complaints came from people who moved here recently and who didn't realize like, no, like every, like, I know you moved here thinking it was Austin, Texas and you know, some things, you know, bad weather never happens, but it does. And you gotta be prepared and you gotta lock it down. And that's kind of my take of um, 20, what, 2021, the snowstorm of the century in Texas. Yeah. So it's kind of a mixed bag. You know, on one hand, I, I feel really, really bad for everybody that was dealing with that in Austin. But on the other hand, I feel really bad because of the fact that I wasn't there. You know, obviously Austin has a very special place in my heart and, you know, my heart was breaking, you know, with, with people going through everything that they were obviously without power, uh, electricity, uh, running, you know, flushable toilets, things like that. You know, I, I, you know, you know, I just wish I could have, I don't know, done something other than just offer empathy uh, to those that were going through it. But I'm glad that, you know, everybody that I know and love, everybody came out of it. Okay. And we move on enough of the foreplay. Let's get, let's get down to some action here. Well, actually everybody knows we've already kind of covered it. We're talking about star Wars episode three, the revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah. Revenge of the Sith. That's what it's called. Uh, so I think the best thing to do is before we talk about that, if we want to go over anything from the previous episode, 
or the previous episodes. And if you've got anything, let us know. If not, I've got a couple little things that that I will bring up. I sent you a text uh, the other day after listening to our pod. And um, one of the things I thought to myself after you did a great job of explaining the hero's journey and how the second part of the act was about how you accepting the call. Mm-hmm. So after thinking about it a bit more, I harped on the Anakin killing the Sam people so much, but I didn't <laughs> talk about how that's to me and the way I see it, that was his beginning pat down the dark side of mm-hmm. he wasn't, he mm-hmm. wasn't just going to be a pure good Jedi. So other than that, don't want to go into too much. Uh, if anybody actually made it to the end of the pod, they might have heard me talk for four minutes about how this is my favorite movie. So this is my favorite movie of Star Wars. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's the one I like the most. So we will tap into that in just a minute. Uh, a couple corrections, omissions, if you if you will. So last episode. I remember bringing up the fact that like E.T. Uh, like E.T. aliens made an appearance, but it was in fact episode one, The Phantom Menace. So we were technically both wrong. I thought it was episode two. You thought it might have been episode three, but it was in fact the 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 uh, the Phantom Menace where we do see some of those E.T. aliens at the in the in the senate and the the second thing i wanted to kind of like bring up was john had asked a little like blue screen versus green screen and i answered it the best way that i could in the way that i think i understood it but obviously i'm not 100 percent accurate so there's a whole whole thing that one can google and youtube and learn a little bit about about that technology and the way that certain lights uh, reflect different things but but I am ready to to talk about episode three, and I will defer over to you because obviously you have a lot more of a passionate response to this film above the the others. And with all due respect, I I, I don't have that same emotional response. So I I'm I'm, I'm letting you start this bad boy off unless you want me to start it with a crawl or however you want to get into this particular episode tonight. But Hey, Andrew, let me um, just start from why I like this movie. And I, and I feel that the, besides it just being a badass movie, uh, it's the end of a trilogy, which I thought it was the best of the three. And so the trilogy kind of progressed and this was the best out of the three movies, but I felt like it was hard. And it had some expectations like the dark Knight rises, not quite like Phantom Menace where this, this movie needed to do a lot. And a lot of the previous films may have let it down. So there wasn't as much of a platform. So whenever I walked out of this movie, a lot of the answers of Luke Leia, how the lightsaber got to Luke, a lot of the, a lot of the questions on the first film had been answered. So I really appreciated that they kind of, were able to tie up the story. And I think that it wasn't just like the end of a trilogy. It was the end of kind of six movies put together out of order. And so um, I I like it a ton. The the other reason I kind of realized is, you know, I like the movie Backdraft and Gattaca and it's movies about brothers. And we talk about these being family films. I think this is a family film about brothers. 
And whereas I, I feel like there's a lot of, I can see a lot of myself in Anakin, but also just personally see myself a lot in Obi-Wan because he's more reserved. Um, but I look at my brother as he has all the talent in the world and he does all these things. And I just looked up to him so much. So the, when they talk about this movie being a family film, that's, I guess it's not mom and dad or uh, brother and sister. And this one is, it's brothers. Uh, and that, that's the only other thing I kind of put in about why I like this movie. Okay. Okay. Knowing that you like the movie, let's, let's kind of dive into what the movie is about. Shall we? Yeah. I think we'll, at this point, we'll, we'll, take a little step over and the crawl and, and talk about that crawl. So I've got the crawl pulled up. Yeah. I think the first word in the crawl is war. That is correct. So for episode three, the crawl reads war. The Republic is crumbling under attacks by the ruthless Sith Lord count Dooku. There are heroes on both sides. Evil is everywhere. In a stunning move, the uh, fiendish droid leader General Grievous has swept into the Republic capital and kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine, leader of the Galactic Senate. As the Separatist droid army attempts to flee the besieged capital with their valuable hostage, two Jedi Knights lead a desperate mission to rescue the captive Chancellor. And that's where the movie starts off, right? Hey, quick question. Yeah. What do you... What are you starting off drinking tonight? Ooh, that's a good question. All right. So I am drinking a little beer out of Florida Cigar, uh, Cigar City Brewing Company, mm-hmm. and it's called the Maduro, which that's a cool name. according to the, the can, the Maduro is named after a dark cigar wrapper. Maduro Brown Ale boasts notes of so- semi-sweet chocolate, toffee, and hints of fresh coffee, complex and full-bodied. Yada, yada, yada. So I went with that one just because it, it's, uh, it's a dark beer, and this movie obviously takes a little bit more of a dark turn. So I thought maybe that would be fitting. Sure. I was walking around probably the... Best gas station for Bod Beer in, in Austin, which is off of like Manchac and uh, South Amar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found one called The Dark Side, C I D E. Ooh, it's I like a, that. It's I like a, the font. It's, it's a cider, uh, Texas craft cider. Um, it says, give, your, uh, give yourself to the dark side. All natural, gluten free, vegan friendly, no sugar additive, no fruit essences. And nothing you can't pronounce only things you want, which I feel like all those things are not giving yourself to the dark side, but <laughs> whatever it's on the can it's 6% by alcohol. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm going to drink. It? Uh, like it? Yeah. It's kind of great looking. Um, it's good. I think it's, I guess in a way where I'm going to talk a lot, I don't think it's like drying my mouth out too mm, much. Mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's probably pretty good. Um, let me let me take a sip real quick. Yeah, you do that. You do that. Yeah, it's kind of like wine. Okay. I would say it's kind of like a like a cheap watered down wine, a little bit like you might drink in church. I hope. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry if that's not a great one. Dark side, but you, Bishop Cider Company. But hey, it's a it's a fun beer. Yeah, I just also like the the uh, the type of wine you drink in in church. Did you go to church? 
Oh God. Yeah, I did. Um, I, you know, I, I say, Oh God. Um, <laughs> uh, so my, I was kind of raised Catholic and then, so I guess the, the first 15, 16 years of my life until I was like confirmed, my mom would periodically take us into church, you know? So I went through my like baptism communion uh, confirmed into the church, all that, that whole spiel. But we didn't go, uh, to borrow the, the pun, we didn't go religiously or anything like that. You know, we would, we, we'd go here and there and it just wasn't ever for me, you know? And if, if, if it's for you, fantastic. I, I'm not of the ilk that one needs to go to church to be spiritual, but that, you know, that's a conversation for a different time, but yeah, yeah, I was, I was raised, I was raised Catholic, which this is funny because my father, I don't know when, and depending on who you talk to in our family, they'll give you two different, they'll give you different timelines, but my father is now Jewish, but he wasn't, he wasn't Jewish uh, when my parents were, were married, but there, there's this whole mythology as to why he converted yet. The only thing that's Jewish about my father is he does any bacon. That's 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 about it. What about you? Did you go to church? Yeah, I was raised Episcopalian, mm. which what I learned from the Simpsons is Catholic diet. Yep. Uh, but I was also uh, did my early schooling at a Baptist school called Hyde Park Baptist. And early on, you can kind of see just difference in how they approach the same religion. Like it's the same religion, but there's still like differences um but it was a it was a fun interesting upbringing i'm glad i did um i mean i guess within this film there's good jedi teachings of mm -hmm. you know and i feel like that's the thing within religion and what i hope i guess anybody who i hope everybody who listens to this that one day will be open-minded about religion and that there's good teachings in a lot of different religions and you can hopefully cut off the bad ones right um and uh but yeah that was kind of my upbringing and i'm happy for it i you know it was good i thought the church kind of brought structure to me whenever i went to church i knew it was an hour long and so by the time they got to the passing of the piece it's like it's 15 more minutes and then it's like all right then you get the wine <laughs> in the bread and so they're like all right 10 more minutes to go but uh yeah my family was also involved in the church in a bit like i i think especially in early communities before the internet um churches were a sense of community and bonding and uh people were able to get together and talk and um it might be easy for people to scoff or laugh at it now uh but i there's so many positives that have come out of religion that um, I think people should respect as well. Did you guys have to go to like around Christmas time? Do you guys, did you guys do midnight mass? Was that a thing within like the Episcopalian mm -hmm. church? Yeah. Yeah. We'd go. Yeah. One of the things I realized early on though, as well was I wasn't always going for me. I would go because like my, my older brother and sister would be like, we don't want to go. And I'd be like, the kid would be like, I'll go mom. Like being a younger brother, you, you like, you just play to your strengths, mm -hmm. but one of your strengths, especially with your parents is being uh, the one who will be willing to, to do whatever they want them to do. And uh, so I remember at midnight mass being the, 
the child that was happy to be there. That's awesome. I, on the other hand, dreaded midnight mass because of the fact that I'm like, I could either A, be sleeping, B, talking to one of my friends on the phone, or C, watching, you know, watching a movie, you know, late at night, like uninterrupted as a kid, like, well, shit, you know, everybody's gone. I can watch whatever I want. I was kind of devious in that respect, but now it just, it just wasn't, I don't even think I had like bad church experience. It just wasn't, it wasn't for me, just the, the sitting, sitting in a chair then standing up. And I, and again, I don't know what, and, and obviously Episcopalian is very, very similar to like the Catholic church, but just like the, the standing, the sitting, the standing, the sitting, and then like the, the really, really bad singing that the people in the church would have because people, everybody sings, but some of those people shouldn't be singing and they would sing loud, my friend. And it's just like, this is, this is, this is murder. And yeah, it's just, yeah. So just my take on church. I, I love the idea, but yeah, just my experience just, just kind of left me sour a little bit. Eh, maybe sour is the wrong word. It. I was going to say torturous. No, it's not torturous either. It just wasn't for me. It just wasn't my vibe. Wasn't ever my scene or anything like that. But it's helped a lot of people and, you know, works for a lot of people. So, yay. Yay, God. Um, speaking of religions, let's talk about these Jedi versus Sith folk. What do you think? I think that's a fun little natural segue. I think it is. Yeah. Um, this is the one where the Sith overtake the Jedi. Mm -hmm. They've waited a millennium for this moment in time. And uh, over the past two films, we've seen how Palpatine has influenced events to take power. The first scene we have is really, well, we get this really cool battle scene where you get great starships shooting these rockets. And it's one of the cool scenes because I don't think there's a lot of scenes in Star Wars where there's like battleships like firing at each other. Mm, okay. But um, what I took from like the opening sequence and like the barrage of Coruscant was that General Grievous is, he, he's a bad guy. <laughs> he, uh, he abandons his crew. Like the, they fight, you know, Palpatine escapes with the Jedi but Grievous, one of the things he does is he like bails out and he just destroys them all. And he goes, a captain doesn't go down with the ship. And it made me think to myself, I was like, he's a really terrible captain. I would never want to follow that guy. Yeah. So Grievous, what he, um, what well, do, he's I mean, another villain, kind of like Darth Maul, right? Django Fett that like they're these one act villains. They just seem like cool characters, but they get killed off. Was he a cool character though? General Grievous for me was one of the, like when I, when I think of like my top five most annoying characters, you've got the, the trade Federation folk and you've got, you've got general Grievous who like for me ranks right up there. I, I didn't understand the, the incessant coughing that he would do um just the delivery of 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 the lines that he had the, his his whole movement the the cg animation well i'd like to give you a moment to talk a little bit about 
um, you didn't use it that time, but cartoony. Mm-hmm. I felt like in in a way this movie felt less cartoony than maybe the last two did. It maybe Grievous is cartoony, like he's the cartoony part. Or anyways, yeah, I just. I, I, I think I think that's fair. I think that's the maybe the kind of the way to go. And I understand that this series has a different tempo and the lens that I'll always put with any of these films is always going to go look at the, the the first two original ones, you know, the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Return of the Jedi to a lesser extent, but you, you know, George Lucas started to be a little bit more uh, family friendly. But yeah, this one was a little bit less of that kind of we're, 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 we're playing to the kids kind of vibe that I thought the first one and to a slightly lesser extent, the second one, this one has it a little bit less, but when you, when, when you receive it, I found it to be distracting because I, I couldn't, I, I felt, all right, this is supposed to be the darkest chapter and I'm getting this, oh, oh, you know, like, ooh, count, don't go, you know, just some, just some of the way he, he, his, his mannerisms and his voice, it, it, it took me back to kind of like the lead Gungan in the Phantom Menace, just kind of the, where that one character was like, like things like that, I found like distracting in that one and general grievous do with his, his, his coughing and just some of the, his, the delivery of the lines that he had were very reminiscent to that. And that you get right at the beginning, you know, we're, we're trying to set up this world and that's like your, your first villain that you're kind of thrown after uh, Christopher Lee's, you know, count Dooku. So that's that's one of the it's just an example of a little cartoony. Um, another thing. Well, oh, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to ask you because you mentioned Dooku, what you thought about his fight, you know, on the bridge against Obi Wan and with the Emperor watching, or did it remind you of Return of the Jedi? What did you think of that fight? Uh, I I saw the parallels or the the design to make it have that that feel of Return of the Jedi, but again, it it didn't land. It didn't stick the landing. And Ian McDermott, I'm pretty sure that's Ian McDermott. I think that's his name. Uh, who who plays the the Emperor in the original and who plays uh, Palpatine in, in in this franchise. I, at, at times I felt he was a little bit of a caricature of himself and just some of the, again, just deliveries. I, and I, I think this is just an example of, of, of bad direction because I, I felt that I'm watching the same characters that have been in these other films and they, they, they didn't feel organic. They, they felt like a, a copy of a copy, if you will. So it it's, they they weren't uh, they weren't authentic, and it's not that they weren't authentic in the way that Palpatine wasn't the same Palpatine that he was in Return of the Jedi. No, this Palpatine wasn't even really. I didn't really even get the same vibe that he was the same Palpatine in the previous film that we saw, or even the Phantom Menace. Just kind of the and the other thing that I didn't really care for is just kind of like the little reaction shots that you would get. So if Anakin did something or Count Dooku did something. You get these reaction shots 
of, of Palpatine going like, ooh, ah, you know, like these odd, these odd cutaways to him. And it, again, it, it was just distracting because I, I felt when this movie was at its best is when George just let, let things happen and didn't do these cutaways or let things get super um, over the top. But there were, there were a couple things from the, the first act that I, that, that I did like now the, the, the fight scene again, just even, even the little like fight scene, I just, but they can't take the stairs. We, you just want to use an opportunity for them to do like a flip over a balcony type thing that, that was just like, that just felt a little bit much. And again, it was just, everybody was turned up to 11 of themselves in it. And this is supposed to be that most important element of this trilogy. And the, the first act was very, very tough for me. It's like, all right, well, you're going to have to really, really earn it if you want me to go for this journey because the first 15, 20 minutes just... It, it, it didn't stick for me. Now, I felt the movie got a whole lot better as it went along. What I liked, what, honestly, the thing I liked most about the first act was the the opening shot where you see it and then they pan down and you see the whole, like all the, you know, like it, it was a visual effects spectacle that you see this war going on and everything. Boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom, boom. You get these drums. Boom, yep. boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, and then it, it looks like the Star Destroyer, and then and then you get these planes that kind of look like a Tie Fire, kind of look like an X Wing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very cool opening. Yeah, no, the and that's just it. It's you you get this really really fantastic opening, and I get that opening shot. I'm like, okay, okay, we we might be onto something, and. The next 15 minutes, I was like, shit, this, I, I, I uh, to borrow, to borrow uh, a phrase uh, used in the Star Wars franchise, we're doomed. That, that's why, that's how, that was my initial, my initial reaction. I was like, oh no, I'm in, and we're 15 minutes in, and this is going to be like the longest Star Wars yet. I've got two hours more of this general grievous bullshit. All right, let's, let's, let's just see what happens here. So, but Anyway, that's just my take of the of the the you know uh, the first act, if you will. Yeah, I think as long as we're going to talk about the first act, we should talk about R two. This okay. is probably peak R two. I think this is Apex R two. He is, I, I guess, it was you know kind of dorky, but whenever they're doing the fighter scene, R two is the droid that lives, and he kills the one droid, and it flies off, and they all go, "Yeah, get him, R two." You know, like I, I'm 36 years old. I can still smile at R2 killing a little buzz droid. You know, I saw I rip that off the other one. But um, R2 was really cool and he was significant in the beginning of scenes. And uh, anyways, I just want to bring up the droids early. Yeah, no, and everybody loves R2. R2 should be that that feel good or that 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 release or him and C-3PO should be that element of of the comic relief or just kind of that, if not comic relief, just a little relief because of the fact that, you know, that no, no, no hurt is going to befall R2D2. And we know if we see him, we're safe, you know, so you can feel at peace 
when you've got R2D2 on the screen. Problem is, in this prequel trilogy, he, he's, he and C3PO aren't the, the wackiest or goofiest thing that we're going to see. We're, and again, I, 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 I feel troubled every time that I, I bring up the original trilogy, but it's hard not to because of the fact that those were created first and then we're, we're trying to bridge a gap and you have those characters but in the, in the original trilogy they're the, they're the zaniest or wackiest ones or the the quirkiest characters but in this in this particular franchise or rather this particular trilogy there each movie has a good 15 20 characters that are goofier than than these droids and it puts me in a position where i'm like okay this movie this movie isn't maybe necessarily for me and maybe maybe I would have had a different impression of the original trilogy if I would have seen it at 20 through, you know, 26 years old, like I saw the prequel trilogy, but I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe it will, maybe we'll get into that at a later time in this discussion, but I will, I will agree that anytime C3PO or R2D2 are on camera, it's an absolute delight. And I love those guys always will. Yeah. I, uh, I remember thinking like I, I didn't like them being in the series, but now I'm happy that they were in the series. And mm-hmm. I'm, I guess I can respect that they weren't given screen time because it's not important for them to really participate in this. It's just an origin story. Right. Kind of right. like, kind of like Chewbacca, maybe yeah. who was brought into this film. Yeah. And Chew- yeah, that was, that was interesting. And I think that was, them like all right well you know we we have to we we brought in boba fett we brought in all these other things let's bring in the the wookie uh the the wookie planet uh but i think c3po and r2d2 have every bit of importance being in this trilogy because of the fact that they they're the ones that springboard the original franchise you know it's their them arriving on tatooine to make that connection I, I think it's a fun twist of fate that it was actually Anakin that created C-3PO. But if we're being realistic, like, no, no, it shouldn't have been that. It, it, Anakin shouldn't have been the, the one that created C-3PO. But it is where we're at. But I think of all the characters in the original the original franchise, if I had any issues with any of them, it certainly wouldn't be C3PO or R2D2 because they're, they're great. And they're, they're, they're not the narrator, but they're, they're kind of your narrator because they're the ones that are always around wherever action is. And at least in the original, the original trilogy. And with this one, they, they do a good job of giving R2D2 fun things to do. And we see a little bit more about R2-D2 that we didn't necessarily have in the original, just all the little gadgets and gizmos that he has within within uh, his uh, his droid, which is, you know, like all the different. He's a Swiss Army knife. I think we talked about Swiss Army knives before. <laughs> he himself is a Swiss Army knife. He literally has everything. And I, I think he's great. I love him. I You'll never, ever hear me say anything remotely bad about R2-D2. I agree. So, all right. So what is the, the next thing that we find out after 
Count Dooku is iced from from Anakin. To touch on one thing in the fight, Dooku tells Anakin, you have this anger, you have this fear, release it. And I really feel like Luke, Anakin does not do that, but he still beats him. So he beats him in a Jedi way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that's just kind of one of those important things. And then Palpatine tells him to kill him because it's set off. And he's like, let's go. Really, to move forward, the next scene is really them at the Senate. They just save the lives and they go walking up. And and I kind of want to track back a little bit on just this movie. There's the opening scene, which has a lot of amazing graphics. But I think there's a lot in this movie, which are individual scenes where it's two actors. It's, and a lot of it's Anakin, but it's like Anakin and Padme, Anakin and Obi-Wan, Anakin and the Emperor, Anakin and Yoda. And mm-hmm. so... Whereas you do get a big scene there, you get a big, cool kind of Wookiee killing scene. Most of the scenes, I think, are broken down to two actors kind of telling things. Um, That's a good call. Yeah. Well, I like to talk about it, man. I don't know if... um, I just thought it was... This movie's called Revenge of the Sith. And you mentioned how kind of like Jar Jar... It was his movie in the first one, but it was really Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Padme... And Palpatine. And the second one, it's really Anakin, Padme, Obi-Wan. And this one, it's really Anakin and a Palpatine. I think most of the movie, and it's called Revenge of the Sith, it's, it's their movie. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you get to the Senate, you get a scene where Mace Windu is talking to Palpatine and he's like, hey, we killed this guy. And he's like, hey, the war is going to go on. So that's their little scene. But then it moves to Anakin and he's talking to Padme. You know what? I'm going to bring it up now because it's one of the best scenes in the movie. Let me find it real quick. But you get the scene where Padme tells Anakin she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And and it's a bunch of young kids who, you know, one was a queen and one's the prodigy. And they had all this pressure in the world on them. And, you know, they came together. They got a kid coming up. And he says, we're not going to worry about it. You know, this is a happy moment. And one, it springs to mind Qui-Gon's teaching of be present in the moment, enjoy the moment. And so my question to you is, do you remember when you were told you were going to be a father? Uh, Yeah, I do. Um, That is a fun story. Um, yeah, we'll do a little two minute sidebar just uh, because obviously I don't want to bog too much time talking about it, but came home from work. We were eating dinner. Everything was, you know, everything was good to go. Just having a regular old Tuesday night evening in front of the TV and we're, we're cleaning up and, uh, Catherine, poor Catherine, she, she had been sitting on this information for like four or five hours trying to figure out like, how the hell am I going to tell him? What am I going to do? She's like, you know, maybe I'll do something really sweet, et cetera, et cetera. But she then realized, no, there's no way in heck I can sit on this for another day or two. So um, we had had a, like a blue apron dinner, right? I can't remember even what the dinner was, but we had had like a blue apron dinner could have been like a chicken, you know, could have been anything, right? Catherine, you know, was in the kitchen. She's like, shit, I forgot to include something in the dinner. Like, oh, well, 
what's that? And then she opens up, opens up the oven and she's like, I forgot we had, we had uh, bread to go with it. I'm like, and the truth is bread would make no sense in, in this particular meal, none whatsoever at all. And I open up the oven and there's like a hot dog bun roll, hot dog, whatever. And I'm looking at it. And all I could think of is why the hell would Blue Apron give us like a hot dog bun to go with this dinner? That makes no sense. Meanwhile, Catherine, you know, she was trying to, you know, try to do something kind of like funny and, and cute. But the only bun that we literally had in the whole fridge at the time was a hot dog one. And she's like, you see that? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, what is that? I'm like, it's a roll. She's like, well, what, what is that? And like bread. She's like, no, what is that? I'm like a hot dog. She's like, what type of hot dog? I'm like a bun. She's like, yeah, it's a bun in the oven, bun oven. And then I'm looking at her as she's saying this. And I'm like, does this crazy bitch realize she's saying bun in the oven? Like, does she have any idea what she's saying right now? And then, and then I'm like, Oh, that's, that's what she's saying. <laughs> and my initial reaction was after, after the, the very, very initial, like, does she realize what she's saying? And then became like, Oh my God. And then we weren't, we weren't trying, we weren't planning or anything. There, there was discussion that maybe in the next year we would have a talk about whether or not we were going to have a kid or if we would be interested in exploring that. But and then it became very real. It's like, oh shit! Like, well, I guess we're going to have going to have a kid. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's celebrate. And I open the fridge and grab like champagne for Catherine. She's like, I can't have any. <laughs> <laughs> Sparkling water, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I remember it very, very, very vividly when I found out that it was going to be, and then after right after you know she had taken her test and and she had bought two she had bought at least two pregnancy tests and so she took another one and because the the original one it was like a blue line but it was very very faint so it would stand a reason that or you should have two blue lines but like one was very thick and one was very thin so so, but it stands to reason that, okay, well, she's pregnant, but it still offers a level of ambiguity because of the fact that it's not like two thick lines or something. She's like, well, I also bought this other test. So she took that one and it just gives you a, like a yes or a no. And, and then it came back. Yes. And she's like, well, it said yes. And my classic dumb guy uh, responses. <laughs> Does that mean yes, you are or yes, you aren't? <laughs> and uh, but, I, but I meant it with all sincerity, you know, like, well, maybe, yeah, you know, you're you're not pregnant. But of course it means yes, yes, you're very much pregnant. <laughs> I just like how <laughs> you probably had X amount of minutes and you didn't even read the box. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> nah. Uh, I think Anakin, when he was told he was going to have a child, accepted it as well as any father could. Um, and he wanted to run away with Padme. And, uh, man, you're, um, 
daughter has a birthday coming up, right? She does. She does have a birthday coming up. It's so coming up, in fact, that her birthday is going to be on Friday. Tomorrow's going to be Thursday. My mother's flying in. And yeah, Elliot, she turns three on Friday. We're going to do a, a nice little birthday party. Like all the grandparents are all vaccinated and everything. So we're going to do a little birthday party for her on on Saturday. We're going to call it a three esta <laughs> so I, I think when she was two we had another like kind of like pun thing i think it was taco tuesday <laughs> and i think next year i don't know i don't know if we'll do like quattro de taco i don't know i, I have, we haven't we haven't gotten that far yet but it's just it's just been kind of her theme until she'll be old enough to tell us that she doesn't want any more taco themed birthday parties <laughs> but but yeah so we're excited about it it'll be it'll be fun obviously Elliot's getting older and she's a whole lot more fun and a lot more well-rounded but also just just a freaking terror you know just all over the place doesn't silence in her do not cohabitate. I mean, you know, she is going and talking all the time. As the time. I, as an individual who has met her parents and some of her grandparents, I think I think there's a lot of people who are strong individuals who are willing to be outspoken and say what they mean. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. What, I don't know if I don't know if that was a uh, directed at anybody. No, that, no, actually, no, that literally is everybody in her bloodline. Everybody. Yeah. So I think so. I think yeah. I like, I like to keep it open, you know, right or wrong plus or minus is you can, you know, but I think she has a, she, she's going to be a, uh, she's going to be an Anakin Skywalker, but a good one. Right, <laughs> she's yeah. going to be if like she had positive support. So, so she's going to. About, can we talk about Anakin? Sorry. Yeah. Let's, talk, whereas, let's talk about Anakin. We probably should at this yeah. point. Whereas I think one of the biggest things is this, the movie where he takes over, he becomes Darth Vader. And the only positive support he ever gets is from the emperor up until like one scene after Obi-Wan asked him to spy on the emperor. He, he finally says, dude, you're doing a good job. You're going to be a master. You're better than I've ever been. It's finally the time that his older brother kind of gives him a bit of, you know, credence. Mm -hmm. And at that part, they say, May the force be with you. May the force be with you too. And uh, that's one of my favorite little scenes. And once again, it's a scene where there's only two actors uh, in it. And um, and going into it, you know they're going to fight because we got that from the original Star Wars. So when you watch that scene on the first time you watched it, they meet up. There's only about an hour to go in the movie. They're going to fight at some point. It, it builds up a lot of tension, but they get this nice, just nice little peaceful send off to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was your favorite scene, I suppose, between just two actors in the movie? My favorite scene between two actors in this movie. Not counting Obi-Wan versus Anakin in the fight. I don't. I don't think I have one. I really don't. Oh, well, um, let me yeah. run through. Let me run through a few because okay. it's kind of my thought. 
I really enjoyed the Anakin Palpatine scene when they're in the theater and there's an idea of like decadence and there's these beautiful artists going up and down and it's, it's the scene where the emperor tells him and he says the tragedy of Darth Plagueis, the, the wise, which he's a Sith, like he, the tragedy of Darth, like it, the, we, we used to talk all the time about verbiage and the way he addresses Anakin, some of the stories starts telling him, and the way he kind of leads him to the conclusion where he'll save him in the end. I feel like telling the thing is like the tragedy of Charles Plague against the Wise. I would think a sit time would be a good thing, but he says the tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he's the guy who kills Charles Plague against the Wise. But <laughs> either way, um, I thought that was a pretty fun, interesting scene because I, I think there's a lot going on in. I thought the one where like after the Senate, where like it's, Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen where, you know, they're, they're able to have the scene on the balcony and he's like, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, but you're so beautiful, but you're so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what You laugh, but I feel like you and Catherine have said that to each other in times. No, you're so beautiful. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you say, I love you. I love you more, you know, but I, I feel like anybody who's in a relationship is who's felt in love. I'm yeah. not married, but yeah, no, I, th- I think uh, Catherine, and I certainly have said things like that and probably been as, you know, silly about it at the same time. But I, I think there's a believability aspect when Catherine says it to me and I say it back to her where I, I, the, I, I don't, the best chemistry in this movie was, whenever Hayden Christensen wasn't on camera. I, I just don't think that he really connected with anybody. Maybe he did connect with Ian McDermott, but I, I I feel bad for Hayden Christensen because of the fact that this was going, I mean, you know, he was a relatively unknown, you know, like the only thing, the his, his first movie was what, like in the mouth of madness when he was like 12 years old, he played like a paper boy or whatever. And then he, you know, he did this franchise and this is going to put him on the map and it put him on the map, but it put him on a map where it wasn't necessarily stardom. The, the, the love scenes or not love scenes, but like the, those tender moments that we're supposed to have between Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman felt uh, often felt very hollow to me. Now I, th- I think the dude, you know, he's, He's pretty badass with a lightsaber. I'll give him that. He can do some good stunt work. I'll give him that. He's but... got long. He's got long curly hair, just like <laughs> a young senator from Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and you you you, uh, you 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 cover that last week, but yeah, it's just I. It 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 just I I'm hopeful because I know that they're they're doing a you know like an Obi Wan series and somehow Hayden Christensen's going to come into this as well and I hope that maybe the the second the second oper- the second time around he he he's found his voice, um, which you well, know part of me actually really hopes it, it takes place later on when he's more Darth Vader but I guess that doesn't work so I don't I really have no idea how they're going to make this thing work but that's a conversation for a different time. But anyway, going back to what you were saying with the 
their their moments and yes there were tons of one-on-one and i didn't even think about that so that that's wonderful that you've brought that up and now as i'm playing this movie back you have you've got several action sequences and then virtually everything else are literally scenes with just two people on camera so you could have smaller moments but at that time i i i wasn't i wasn't in I, I like I, I want to like tell a very, very like sensitive line because in fact I know how much you love this movie, but I have like an entirely different emotional response to this film, you know, and it's where this one was your favorite. This one might of the trilogy, this one might of this particular trilogy, this one might have been my least favorite. I I I liked the the lightsaber fight. I thought it was a little over the top. Well, actually, I thought it was a lot over the top. But I liked that we finally had the battle between Obi Wan and 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 Anakin. You know, so we finally got to see it. You know, this well, is kind let's, of, I think, up, let's up there. A, a lot of times, a lot of times, I try to wait for the end of the movie to talk about this stuff. The cool, like in that scene, right? I think the greatest thing is how Obi Wan is always backing off. And he's just defend, 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 defend. But it is, to me, it makes sense that these are the two greatest Jedis at their peak. Mm -hmm. It's not Vader versus Luke or Ray or, you know, it's like these are two equal Jedis. And so they put them in the most hazardous, you know, wildest one. And Thank you, John Williams, who's able to write a score. To, it, it is fantastic. Sorry, my phone's talking to me because I'm talking too loud. <laughs> He's still that over there. But uh, but I also think one of the cool aspects of me visually is you got Obi-Wan wearing white and can wear in black. They both have blue lightsabers. So there's red all around. So um, it, it, the last fight sequence, I think, is the best lightsaber battle in the entire franchise. And I think that's one of the reasons why I put this film still today above a lot of the other ones is because like I say, it's got a great score. It's got a really cool lightsaber battle better than any of, any of the others. But there's little things I think you could, I guess, score if you're going to pick out each film. Yeah, no, I, th- I think the, the lightsaber battle on, in this arguably might be the, might be the best one. I mean the 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 stunt coordination and everything I think was 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 wonderfully executed. I, I felt there was a little like a little on the nose with uh, just having like a whole like red lava backdrop. But hey, you know that's 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 how it was. But yeah, I I have nothing else to contribute to that. Yeah, I I agree. It was it was a really really well executed lightsaber battle. It was the best part of this movie the movie would have been better served if some of those really, really great moments that by design would have been maybe better acted or better directed with some of those, because again, as, as I'm now playing this movie back, I'm literally looking at all those scenes where you are getting these small moments with actor a and actor B and actor a and actor B. I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted because a lot of the time I, I, I felt I wanted like my eyes, my eyes like would roll over just being like, Oh, come on. Or, Oh, come on. But 
this movie is all about that lightsaber battle. I mean, that's what this is all about is to finally see what was that, that catalyst. How does, how, how does Padme die? How does Anakin become Darth Vader? What happens to all the Jedi? These questions are answered. So we finally get those, we, we finally get those, re- that, that resolution. I just think the payoff for each of those could have been a little bit better if some of those smaller moments, either A, the, the dialogue was better, or B, the, the, the scene was framed slightly slightly better, or if uh, C, the actors acted better. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was whatever. Any of those combinations certainly would have would have helped those those main beats that we're trying to track in this movie. Oh, and four, what happens to Mace Windu? And we get that we get that answer too. Let's let me stick with the positives because if if I I, I don't want to just just completely bludgeon this movie. So uh, I do like that. Also, we we get a little bit more of Jimmy Smith's character um, Organa. That that's great. So we we get a little more origin story on where Leia goes. It looks like we we see Alderaan in this movie. And that's great. So those are things that I like. I, I I like the the final moment, you know, with Uncle. Um, is it literally Uncle Ben? No, it's um, Lars. Is Lars, thank you. I'm like Uncle Ben. I'm like no, that's that's like Big that's Kenobi. Spider-Man. Pardon me. Oh, Big Kenobi. Ben Kenobi. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so you you had you know you had that the moment so a lot of the tie-in pieces and just some of like the, 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 the thing, I think the, the funny thing is my, my favorite scenes are often the scenes in this movie that are just little vignettes without any dialogue in them. Yeah, I agree. I, I got to think about how when this movie ends, like I remember the first time I saw this when this, when this movie and I was kind of ready to go watch them. I think I said before, star Wars isn't my favorite movie. I like empire strikes back a little bit better. When I watch, when I finished watching Rogue One, I immediately want to watch Star Wars. Yeah, and that's one thing that this film failed to deliver. I guess in a way, maybe they weren't trying to. I think they would have wanted to, but it's like you don't want to dive right back into the next franchise. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. That, that that's a failure within the film, I suppose. Yeah, and so I I've, I really just try to look at it, and you know, I also recognize that in this circumstance, I am more on the minority. Rotten Tomatoes, eighty percent, as far as critics are concerned. Audience, sixty-two percent. So in both circumstances, we're talking over, you know, over fifty percent of both critics and audiences like it. I'm just in the camp where you know, so I, I'm willing to recognize that maybe there are things that my perspective might be a little bit you know i'm I'm maybe i'm uh, grading the movie a little bit too harshly it's possible but yeah the the things that the problem i guess really the problem why i have a a difficult time with this movie is the things that bother me with this movie really bother me with this movie um where the things that i enjoy about this movie just are if we were to cut out all the things i don't like about this movie and keep the things that i like about it that's 15 minutes and the movie is damn near two hour, two and a half hours. Right. So there's just so much stuff in the film that I could have done without. And a lot of that story, a lot of that is poor direction. A lot of that is just 
being smacked in the face with so much technology from a from a visual effects aspect where I felt overwhelmed at times. Can I stop you and just take you back to the opening sequence? And let's try to talk about the positives. Yeah. And, and how they tried to basically do the empire, like the Republic version of the empire. I kind of mentioned the scene. Did you think that was cool at all? Like any of those tie-ins, how they were showing uh, Star Destroyers early versions or the X-Wings with the Cody coming in? Did, did you find any of how the film directors were trying to update the film? Or, or showcase it? Did um, I mean, I, I observed it and I saw it. I noticed it. You I didn't, didn't care, though. I didn't really have an emotional response oh, to it. Yeah. That's fair. But again, again, this is just an, another another thing that I, I, I feel bad that I like this. But at the end where they're on one of those ships and you see the skeleton, if you will, of, of the Death Star. And you see the old, or rather like a very, very young Grand Moff. Yeah, you see a very young Grand Moff. You know, just you see him there. That I like. I like those moments. You know, that's yeah. what I like. And I, I keep looking at him like, well, those are the things that are paying off into the next movie. Those aren't um, the things that are really taking place in this film. I, I think they're just. And I, I don't want to be like, oh, I, I would have made this movie better. No, no. But I think the movie would have been better served to get to get some of those things that 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 translate into the new one might have been fun to have some you know actual scenes on Alderaan because it's a planet that we that we see blown up you know it's a planet we we're supposed to have an emotional response to it you know because god knows you know Ben Kenobi has an emotional response to it when it happens in the first one it, it's the one thing i took from this movie whenever um or you know, Senator Organa like leaves out of the Jedi temple and he picks up, he is the basically origin story of the resistance. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the first thing they, the first planet the empire does is wipe out Alderaan. Right. So I, I imagine there's a story within resistance of that planet. Sally, that's going to end up with the planet getting blown up. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going to defend the empire, but I am going to say, <laughs> I mean, those are gone. They, they were doing something. They're yeah. trying to get some help. <laughs> they were on a diplomatic mission, but you got to see the star cruiser, right? Like this right. is some, right. this, yeah. let's talk about that right now. Right? Like the end of the movie, C-3PO, R2-D2, they get on the ship, like wipe C-3PO's memory. So he doesn't remember. And again, I suppose, uh, but I thought that was a fun throwback little moment. You know, th that's what I guess what I mean. We're like, where this movie, you know, kind of like was better than the others, but it still was completing the gaps. That was one of those gaps that they were like, all right, cool. He, they're on the ship. And uh, now I can watch the next movie because they're on the ship. I also did like, even though it, it made no sense in the movie, I did enjoy seeing seeing Wookiees that was that was fun for me um, yeah why not I think the Wookiees is a story that we're going to lead into the next film with is Solo right and, and so one of the things that I saw in Solo was he finds Chewbacca in, in, in like a cage mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. I, I always thought that was Kashyyyk like them overtaking Kashyyyk 
but maybe it's somewhere else. I don't know why they were shitting Chewbacca, but I, I feel like in this film, we see how the Wookiees are helping the Republic and immediately in the next film, we're going to see how the Republic put them in slavery. So, um, it's, it's bad. They're bad people. Yeah, they're, they're bad. They're bad. I'm almost thinking that I might need another crack at this one. Um, you think we need to restart? We might want to try this just so I'm, I watched it again and I watched it again today and I'm mad at the movie. And I think I'm, I think I need, I think I want to come at this not beating the fuck out of this movie. And although I think when I when I come back at this, I'm still going to be, you know, like critical on the, on the certain things. But even I feel that I'm being a jerk, you know, and that's not the the vibe that I want. I, I feel that I, I, I want to be critical about the movie, but not feel like I'm coming off like being an asshole about it. Hey, Andrew, just like I told you, the Phantom Menace. This is exactly where I want you. <laughs> I think uh, I think I've made my case enough so that you're 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 willing to respect my opinion. And yeah. and I and it, the thing is, I think we need to continue with this. I think we need to we need to finish the project, man. And uh, the thing is, you say you kind of want to watch the movie again. No, 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 no. I want to I, I want I want to crack at this podcast again. I don't want to watch the movie again. Well, okay, sorry. Well, all right, man. <laughs> Just to flip flip the script so I can uh re uh, reset my batteries. So I had to double check because I I can't remember which I think it was last episode. I referenced that I thought there were two Ewok movies. But maybe I was incorrect. But no, there were. There were, in fact, two Ewok movies. So there is the battle for Endor. And then there's a movie called The Ewok Adventure or like the Ewok movie. I'm going to pull it up right now because this is important. So in 1984, there was a movie called An Ewok Adventure or Caravan of Courage, an Ewok Adventure. And that one predated the battle for Endor. Here's the plot. When a family spaceship crashes on the forest moon of planet Endor, teenage son Mace and his little sister Sindel find themselves separated from their parents. Soon, these lost children encounter the Ewoks, the small and furry warriors who call the moon home. With the help of these adorable yet fearless natives, brother and sister set out on a quest to rescue their parents from the grip of the vicious monster known as the Gorax. Yeah. So there was, in fact, another Ewok film. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, man, maybe I did just watch it in a two-part series, you know? Like, maybe they just showed it. So there, there was another one. Now, I mean, I kind of feel like maybe we should cover it. I, I mean, these Ewoks are fearless, much like the Mandalorians are it's fearless. True. And... I, you know what, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I probably would enjoy those Ewok adventure films probably more than I enjoyed watching this uh, this prequel series. 
even if we don't necessarily discuss them in depth, I think I'm going to go back and revisit those two movies so I can talk a little bit about them. Should I wish I would have watched them before that because I might have just talked about them the entire time. Um, but no, no, no. I'm going to watch them. So when... So one of those... Wolf for Brimley, right? Like he was in the early films. Or... It's not the Dark Crystal. What was the name of the other film? Oh, the Battle for Endor. He was in Battle for Endor. I thought he was the, like the pilot, the rogue uh, X-Wing pilot. So he was in Battle for Endor. Yes, he was in Battle for Endor. He plays Noah. He's a curmudgeon. He's, he's like an old, old, old crusty Jedi, which Obi-Wan becomes. That's <laughs> true. Um, you know what? I don't remember anything that happens in either of those movies. The only thing I ever remember is the little blonde hair girl running, going, Wiki! <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. it. That's that's all I got. That's, that's all I got from that movie, which makes me want to rewatch him, you know, because I guess, I mean, we could, we could exclude him, but this is the whole point, like, of why we're talking about this. You could watch the three movies. Mm -hmm. You know what? I was, I was cutting meat the other day for some girl, and she had a Star Wars shirt on. And I go, hey, what did you think of this movie? Because we were about to talk about it. And she goes, oh, I don't even count it. <laughs> it's like, okay. What All movie right. was she not counting? I think it was Phantom Menace. This a couple mm. months ago. She didn't count the prequels. No, 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 no. I think what I said was, um, who's like, um, I think I just asked like, what'd you think of Luke and Leia's mom in the prequels? And she's like, I don't even count it. Mm, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, right? Like she's just, that's, you know, the, the, the trilogy is the only thing that ever matters to her. Okay. So it's like, if we're going to accept, you know, the other films, we, we got degrees. <laughs> maybe we, maybe, maybe we don't do the cartoons. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's get back to this. We've been chatting for a minute. So where where do you want to go i i don't think i've got a ton more really to say about this movie but i know you do so i i really don't man i think you covered a lot of it i got on here et was on the first one <laughs> i kind of looked that one up as well um you know the story it's basically anakin's story about how he was you know built up by one individual and put down by another and the guy who's closest with you just kind of miss out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being objective, you know, George was always going to have a hard time with this series. And I think I've said this in a previous podcast I mean, it was always going to be a tough, tough, tough challenge. And I think he put himself at just even a harder avenue by being both the, the writer and the director and obviously you know was involved in like producing of this film as well that i think he was too close to it and obviously this is a franchise that you know made that made him famous and you know he had done he had done thing you know he did oh my god i can't believe i forgot the name of it uh but in the 70s before he did star wars he did american was, graffiti you know and tmx or whatever the early mm -hmm, one was mm -hmm. THX, I think. Um, yeah. But, you know, he, so he, 
I mean, this is, this has been his, his baby, you know, his entire professional career. But I think when the time came to do this, so much had changed in, in the 20 plus years since he had actually directed a film. And I just felt that it was a little bit too close. The story was a little bit too personal for him. And some of the little finer nuances that or things he was going, I think a different director might've been able to bring some of those moments out that some of those more tender things that would have happened, not just in this movie, but in the, in the previous two, that it would have maybe stuck the landing where I feel that these Um. Yeah, they they just they, he doesn't quite stick the landing. At times he 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 sticks it or more kind of like lands it, but kind of like bumbles a little bit. And I think that's just I think really how I look at it is the movie works in parts, but things aren't like very very tight. You know, it there 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 are a lot of loose pieces, and it just kind of wobbles. You kind of wobble through this trilogy a little bit when you have those moments that are really good, i.e. The lightsaber battles which those visually look fantastic and two they're choreographed beautifully and put in really unique locations he gets those scenes right and his transitional moments and some of his vignettes look really good but then he shoots himself in the foot by either a letting a scene carry on a little bit too long or b he's spelling out what we need where sometimes you know it's better just to show us as opposed to, you know, so show, not tell. And which is why, like, sometimes, if, like, some of those little, like, moments in the, in the scenes where you're just getting a visual and no dialogue is happening, those are some of the strongest, some of the strongest scenes in this franchise, right? Well, you mentioned, you mentioned the last scene of the, of the film is probably the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, it's Lars and his wife. Oh, yeah. Baru holding Luke, looking into the sun, mm-hmm. same way Luke looks in. So, like that—that that was right because, like, I guess that's what he should have been going through for the entire three films, which is like little moments to plug in moments like that to be like, this is a throwback moment. Um, right. But you could, you know, you you could have still had really great moments where. You know, just uh, whether, you know, Padme was on Coruscant looking, you know, I mean, in this one, you have like this really bad, like kind of like male gaze moment where she's like brushing her hair and he he's staring at her. And so it just kind of makes like she's just like just a physical entity, you know, to him. He, he's just looking at her beauty, you know, and he's not he's not, though. And it, let me defend him on this. But like she is the spy she goes oh love has blinded you like she you know but the thing is there's just a couple of teens in love and they're just playing you know cat games with each other whatever you want to call it but like the thing he's like um she's like oh i'm in love with you i'm so in love with you oh so love has blinded you and so like later on i think that's what adds to justifying which there's no reason to ever do this, but like that's what they put see, I don't know, man. Like they were trying to make her, I guess, in some ways, they had to some way make Natalie Portman seem bad so Anna could turn on her. 
I know I, I, I get what you're saying. Where I was going with that moment is just the fact that you could have had just a moment of 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 looking at this crazy planet that they're on and they're in this crazy predicament and this world that they're in is just larger than them which is one of the things that they're kind of looking at but like i said it just kind of you get taken I do. out be- i do i well i guess when i watch it i i look at it, it's like he's got it all he's lebron james he's ronaldo he's he's the next greatest thing he's got it all he's got the girl he's got a kid coming up they're sitting in a high rise they're, they're about to go um and less the, is more it less the, is more the, the is where tragedy. i'm going with it yeah and i and i'm going i guess i'm going there as well it's like the tragedy is he just he just couldn't accept that he couldn't win the game or something right. you know like and i think we're agreeing and talking about the same thing i'm just yeah. saying that scene would have been better served with with without the dialogue is or a fraction of it because you can still get that same kind of concept i i think that's given more credit to the actors like in a way i'm a i'm, I'm willing to accept that scene i think natalie portman could have done better i think the writing could have been done better i i think it's easy to say the writing could have been done better but maybe Maybe Natalie Portman was only 20 years old and she could have been a better actress. You know, like it's easy to say, like, if only the words are better, then she could have done it better. But um, I, I do, obviously, I think the dialogue's cheesy and it, it's easy to do. But no, where where I was going, like, where the movie's at its strongest is sometimes where you, you get these beautiful moments and you, you, you just visually, you, you see what's happening and you get kind of like the, the, the emotional implication without without George telling you or having George give an actor like say this is what we want you to say you still could have had a, a beautiful tender moment with this couple and it could just it could have just been a just a moment you know where you have them as opposed to a plot device is where well, I where the, I was going with the moment to me was at the Senate when he hugs her and he says we're not going to worry about anything this is a happy moment like that that that's the moment to me when he says like it's about them mm-hmm. but um i think one of those other scenes whenever like you're talking about beautiful like the the scene when the emperor is talking to anakin whenever they're at the theater and you got this beautiful stuff going on in the background of these people you know orchestrating going in and out but they're having a very interesting conversation which is it's probably the most important conversation whenever you're talking about the dark side and the Sith and the origins of it within the entire series, but that's going on in the backdrop of all this beautiful visual out visuals. Right. I don't want to just dump in. I, I kind of want to be the guy who kind of says, I think we talked a whole bunch about the movie. Andrew, is there anything else you'd want to add? Did I lead? Did I, did I, do you have a quiz for me? I don't have a quiz. I don't have a quiz for you tonight. Uh, I do, let me pull it up here. Okay. So I've got a couple questions from the mailbag. So, okay. all right. Now, well, good question. Mm-hmm. What is the mailbag? So mail, our mailbag are people that wrote in a few questions for us. So I've got three here. So I want to shout out those that, that pose these questions for you. Question, question before you start asking the questions. 
are all the questionnaires male? No, no. Then maybe we should have a new name for the the bag. I just want to throw that out there. Well, mail as in it's postal, like posted. You know, like yeah, a, but I mean, come on, like parcel, part. Uh, yeah, 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 parcels. Yeah, yeah get, all right. All right. parcel bag. Yeah, right. take two. Let's, let's, all right. So, who had the worst no moment? Was it Darth Vader? when he delivered his no moment shortly after becoming Darth Vader, or was it Emperor Palpatine right before he killed Mace Windu with his no, no. Who delivered the, I, the question is worse, but who had, I get, yeah, who had the worst, who had the best no delivery? I go with Vader. Vader had the uh, worst one. That, yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that they were trying to do was the Emperor's voice changing over time, becoming more like the Emperor from Palpatine. So in that scene, his transfiguration changed. One of the things you get out of it is like the whole movie is like, you can save Padme. You come to the dark side. You can save Padme. And the second he's like, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as we save Padme. And he goes, you know what? If we work together, we could figure it out. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like he probably he sold them false promises. Um, mm-hmm. anyways, so well, thank Vader's. you. Thank you for uh thank you to Jen for that question. Question thank number you, two. Hey, sorry, thank you, Jen. Thank you, Jen, as well. Question number two. This one comes in from Ryan. Knowing what we know now about Anakin. Oh, I, I butchered that question. Knowing what we know about Anakin now. Was the idea of a prophecy a joke? I would not say it's a joke. In this film, they talk about it uh, may have been misread. And I think I kind of mentioned how... I guess the only idea we got from the prophecy was it would bring balance to the Force. I guess that's my my understanding of it. It would bring balance to the Force. So where if we're going to perceive Anakin Skywalker as the man who brings balance to the force, I think he actually achieves that. I think when he throws Palpatine down, down the tube at the beginning or at the end of return of the Jedi, I guess you have Luke as a hero and and we all thought he was going to go on and take on the Academy and, uh, you know, raise him up. But I do think Anakin did achieve his prophecy of bringing balance to the force when I look at his life. Okay. Uh, But I do think from my game of Thrones prophecies can be misled, misrepresented. And I think that's one of the things that Jedi did do wrong. Uh, I, yeah, I think the Jedi really messed up on, um, I think they excluded people because of the prophecy, but anyways. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm, I don't disagree. Here's a good one from Mark. What's the deal with lightsaber colors? <laughs> oh, man. Nice, Mark. Good call. Uh, well, so from the early understanding of the games, Blue was like a Jedi who was very you know, nice in the Force, Yellow was like a warrior lightsaber. 
it would be like fighting and then green was kind of like the culmination between the two and he'd be like an overall master and that's why you see guys like yoda having green lightsabers or luke later on has a green lightsaber qui-gon has a green lightsaber uh but I also feel in a way yellow is very close to orange and red, which are vibrant colors. So like where the Jedi had a yellow lightsaber guy, that was probably the guy who was an attacker who might have in the back in the day. We don't see a lot of yellow lightsabers anymore. But, what about Mace Windu with his purple? Well, <laughs> Mace Windu with his purple, I think that has a lot of royalty and luxury within it. I also think there's a scene whenever they're having a, it's one of those little scenes and it's it's just Samuel Jackson probably standing in front of a bunch of green stuff or blue stuff, but he's talking to Yoda and all the other people about how, um, you know, maybe the Jedi are going to have to remove them and maybe we're going to have to take power. But I think one of the cool things is I feel like the screen being lit up against the skin is purple. Like I think his color, it, it's not that he is like Palpatine where he wants to take power, but he understands, I feel like he understands that the Jedi is a progression through that. And I guess in a way he's, he's just as culpable as Palpatine for how Anakin could have been a better person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. Well, that's all I've got from the mailbag. So thank you again to our listeners for, for throwing those questions out at you. We will be in our next episode, we'll be doing the movie solo, a star Wars story. So if you are familiar with that film, get your questions in and we will read them in the next podcast. But before we say goodbye this time around, John, do you have anything that you would like to say to the listeners? Anything you want to plug? Any any closing thoughts on this trilogy at all? No. <laughs> no. Steal, to, to steal words from Spock, be well and prosper. Ooh. All right. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Stamper Cinema. We will see you next time. Hey, Andrew. Yes. Andrew, thank you for hosting. Oh, well, thank you very much. I love you, man. Let's sign off. Let's go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.